Kids, you're dismissed. Good morning, and if you have your Bibles today, and you would, turn with me to the book of Psalm, chapter 116. Psalm, chapter 116. As we begin our message this morning, I hope that you are aware, I think most are, that um, this week there is an election. And uh, many of you maybe have already, they have a lot of early voting, and and um, the uh, absentee ballot voting, all those types of things this year. Uh, so, so many of you maybe have already voted uh, this year. But if you haven't, uh, Tuesday is the day. And there are just a couple of things I want to share with you this morning in relationship to that. The first one is this. We have a right to vote. We are citizens of a nation that Christian men founded a government that is of the people, by the people, and for the people. And because of that, we have a right to vote in election to select the leaders who will lead our city, state, and national government. Second thing is we have a responsibility to vote. We, we are responsible as Christian people to participate in the government with which we are a part of. Romans chapter 13. I'm sure you've heard this many times, but let me read a few words from it today. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. Hear that? There's no authority except from God. And those who exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good, but if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. So, for because of this, you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to his very, this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, Custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. He says, listen, you are a part of the governing process. And there isn't anyone in authority except by God placed them there in that authority. How does that happen? It happens by our being responsible and voting. It happens by our being responsible and being involved in the governing process. And then finally... We have a reason to vote. We have a reason to vote because the future of any nation depends upon the willingness of its citizens to vote based upon biblical values and truth, not upon political agendas or lies 
and deception. So we have a reason to vote. To vote for that which is true, that which is our morals and values that we receive from God and from His Word. He has given us promises and He calls us to promise in return. Our world is built upon oaths and vows and promises. They come in various forms and fashions, but make no mistake, we are a people of promises. The medical profession has the Hippocratic Oath. The law enforcement has an oath of honor. Law school students have a professionalism oath. We have wedding vows. We could spend a lot of time just talking about the various types of vows and oaths and promises that we have in our world today. There are written promises, there are verbal promises, there are implied promises, and the list goes on and on. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever promised someone something? Made a promise. I promise you I will, whatever that is. You fill in the blank this morning. And have you then been faithful to keep that promise? It's a good feeling. It feels good to have given our word and then been faithful to do what we said we were going to do. What about have you ever given your word, made a promise, a vow, and then you did not keep it? What's the difference in the feeling of being faithful to our vow or our promise or being unfaithful? How do you feel if someone makes a promise to you and then fails to keep it. What does it feel like for someone to say, I promise you I will, fill in the blank, and then they not fulfill that promise. You see, even promises made between two people, such as you and I, can have a major impact on others in life. So Psalm chapter 116, I want to begin reading in the 12th verse this morning. Listen to what the psalmist writes as he ponders this idea of God having pledged to me, God having promised or committed to me, how do I respond? What shall I render to the Lord for all of His benefits toward me? I shall lift up the cup of salvation and shall call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. There's that word, the vows, the promise. Oh, may it be in the presence of all of His people, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His godly ones. O Lord, surely I am Your servant. I am Your servant, the son of Your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. In other words, You've set me free is what they're saying. To You I shall offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. I promise to Him and I will keep my promise is what He says. Oh, may it be in the presence of all of His people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Notice the psalmist is searching. <clears throat> what will I do in response to what God has done for me? How will I respond to the benefits that He's blessed me with in my life? So the promises that he's made, he's been faithful to. How will I respond then? What will I do in response to God's faithfulness, God's, God's promises that he has 
fulfilled the things that He has done, what shall I render unto the Lord? So let's look at God's promises. He promises us eternal life. Verse 13 of that text, as we're reading through, the psalmist speaks of the cup of salvation. The salvation that he knew was born in the blood animal sacrifice. Okay? Have to remember the time in which this was written, the context in which it is taken. And so he was talking about a salvation that comes from the blood animal sacrifice and that they were only temporary sacrifices. That they rolled the sins back for a year, but every year there was a requirement for there to be additional offering to cover additional sins. But we understand from God's Word that we have been given the promise of eternal salvation, eternal forgiveness, and eternal life. Hebrews chapter 10, listen to what it says. For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good thing to come, and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offered continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. You understand, those sacrifices that were made in the biblical day did not take away sins. It simply pushed them back for a year. And what that did was allow for the the coming of the time that the ultimate sacrifice would be offered. So it goes on in verse 11. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering uh, time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Understanding the old sacrifice system could not take away sin. It could push it back. It, It could cleanse you for a period, but it couldn't remove it. But he, having offered one sacrifice for the sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool under his feet. He made a sacrifice one time for all sin. He says his sacrifice is a sacrifice that removes sin. And He promised us eternal forgiveness. He promised us eternal life. And that He would, through salvation, remove sin from our life. Where where the sacrifice of bulls and goats could not do that. Christ came, and His sacrifice, He made a promise to us. And He said, my promise is that if you will come under the sacrifice that I've made, accept the sacrifice that I've given for you, then you will be forgiven and you will receive eternal life. Life that is for all time. He also promises us eternal love. If you turn your Bibles this morning, you don't have to turn there, but, but if you want to write down Romans 8, 35 and 39, through 39, listen to what He says. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all of these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, 
nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God promises that He will always love us. He promises that He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. That He will always be there for us in His love and nothing. Do you understand the list that He made? There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. It is constant and eternal. And, And this passage teaches we cannot be separated by any outside force or effect or enemy from His love. But that His love is always available for us and it makes the difference. He made the sacrifice to establish a love relationship. And He also says if we are living in His love, we have superpower. Did you hear that? He said that we overwhelmingly conquer. Not just that we get by, not just that we get through a little bit. He said that we will overwhelmingly conquer through Him, Christ Jesus our Lord. And so if we're living in that relationship with Him, we receive an eternal love, a gift that He gives us, that gives us superpower that in our spiritual relationship with Him, we can overcome anything that we face in life. Third thing this morning is this, God promises us eternal forgiveness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. We'll read all of that, but listen to what He says to us. This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you. God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You hear that? The blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. That's the power of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. My little children... I'm writing these things to you, listen to this, so that you may not sin. I'm giving you instruction that can help you in how to live life without sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for those of the whole world. He promises to cleanse us from all sin. And he says if we will come to him and confess our sin, he is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us. You get that? Make us clean from all unrighteousness in our life. And he says, I am giving you these words so that you can live and not sin. Oh, wait a minute. I thought we're all sinners. I I thought that God's word says in, in Romans that all of sin falls short of the glory of God. So, so how is he saying that, that we can live and not sin? Well, what he's saying is this, that we can live in such a way that we desire not to sin. That we desire to do what is right in the eyes of God. But we're not perfect, and we will fail. 
And when we fail, it is the blood of Jesus that covers that sin, that cleanses us from all unrighteousness and forgives us of all of our sin so that in God's eyes, we do not have sin because the blood of Jesus has covered that sin. Because the sacrifice that we have accepted has cleansed us from that sin. And so he says, I give you a promise of eternal forgiveness. I pledge to you, I give my vow to you, that you will eternally be forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then finally, he promises us eternal freedom. In verse 16 of the text, but in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, he says this, It was for freedom that he has set us free. Do not enter again into a yoke of slavery. He says, I have set you free, I have removed the bonds and the chains, and given you freedom for freedom's sake. So that you can live in freedom. Our freedom is not a license to sin or to behave inappropriately, and then cover it with I'm free. Freedom brings with it responsibility. The responsibility is that we must act accordingly with the freedom that we have received in offering that understanding of what did the psalmist say in Psalm 116? That I would lift up the cup of salvation. That I would communicate in the freedom that I've received to others that they can be free as well. That they can receive the sacrifice of Jesus and the blood that He shed would cover their sins, forgive them of all sin, He says, not just some sin, not just the big things or the, you know, the, the overwhelming, glaring things that hurt other people. He said all sin... And he says that he would cleanse us or wash us of all of the unrighteousness that is in our life. Because of the promises, I shall keep my promises. Because he has kept his promises, I will keep my promises. And so the, the psalmist writes and says, what shall I render unto the Lord? What am I going to give to him because of all that he's done for me? And because of the sacrifices he made and the promises he made that he's been faithful to. He says he is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. He's always faithful to his promise. And so he says, what's my reaction? Well, how do I respond to that in my life? And the first thing he says is what? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will receive that salvation. And then I will make sure others know that they can receive that salvation. I will make sure that others can receive that same freedom that I've received. I will pay my vow. I will be faithful to the promise that He made to me and the promise that I make to Him. I promise that I will live in obedience to His Word. I promise, He says, that I will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. He says that I will give of myself out of gratitude. That's what a sacrifice of thanksgiving is. It's giving thanks or praise to the Lord. What I promise to do, I will be faithful to do. Trust Him completely with every area of my life. Be a student of the Word, and it is the life-saving manual for every life. Allow His Word to lead and guide and direct me. Be faithful to worship, and in a blessing of responsible response for all that He has done for me. I will be obedient to His commandments and His principles. Those are the pledges that we make. Those are the commitments that we make. And the Scripture says that that obedience to Him finds favor in Him. And He says that we have been called to be a people of promise. He has made promises, and He has always kept them and faithful to do so. 
So He calls us to give our pledge or our vow or our promise to Him and then be faithful to do so. Lift up the cup of salvation. Give a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Live in obedience and faithfulness to His Word and allow His Word to direct and guide and lead every step of my life because He says, I will forgive you of all your sins and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So the question I have this morning is simply this. What would you give to the Lord in response to what He has given to you? What will you commit vow, pledge, promise to Him because of what He has promised and given to us. And it's how we respond that determines where our future lies. It's how we respond to His promises and obedience and faithfulness and following the truths of God's Word that determines the freedom that we receive and the forgiveness that we receive and the grace that we receive and the love that we receive and all the things we've talked about this morning. So have I been faithful? Have I been obedient? Have I made my promises to God and been faithful to those, keeping those, or have I not been? That's really the question this morning. And so as we offer a hymn of invitation this morning, it's a time for us to decide about what shall I render unto the Lord for all that He has done for me. Will I be faithful? Will I be obedient? Will I make my vows and promises to Him, and will I keep those in my life? That's a question only you can ask, answer for yourself this morning as I ask the question. But if there's any decision on your heart today, won't you come as we stand and ask?